Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I'm talking to singer Hannah Penn, who will be singing the role of Hannah After in Portland Opera's upcoming production of As One. Welcome, Hannah. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad to see you again. Hannah and I worked together at Portland Opera several years ago in Showboat. Yes, right after my second kid was born. Right. I had a brand new baby. Oh, my gracious. Amazing. Well, first, we'll talk about As One, which is a new opera that's going to be done at Portland Opera. Yes. And it's a fascinating chamber opera for two voices and a string quartet depicting the life of a transgender heroine by the name of Hannah. Yes. Yeah. We've been joking that it's a one-woman show played by two people. That's really the format. So there's a baritone and a Mm mezzo-soprano, and we both play two aspects or two gender representations of the same character who ends up female at the end, who always feels female, but there are these two different gendered singers on stage to represent her journey. Hmm. At what age does the journey begin in the piece? Um, It's a series of vignettes, and not all of them have an age uh, clearly stated, but Mm -hmm. I... I in my imagination, the the youngest one, the uh, Hannah, is eleven years old. Eleven mm-hmm. year old, then boy, you know, presenting boy, um, with a paper route, mm-hmm. and then it moves roughly chronologically through time. But most of the other scenes don't have an age stated. And then Hannah uh, becomes an adult. Yes, and goes through this process. Goes through the transition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the piece, the music, and the concept is by Laura Kaminsky. Yes, and libretto by. Libretto by Mark Campbell and Kimberly Reed, also filmed by Kimberly Reed. Yeah, it's an unusual production in that the the show travels with a film, a series of projections that um, must be included in each mounting of the show. Mm-hmm. And um, if I have this correct, they are actual footage from real places that mattered in Kimberly's life. So, in one instance, I described the Lewis and Clark Library, and there's film of an actual. Lewis and Clark Library. I'm not really sure where it is. But, mm. And um, now Kimberly Reed is one of the librettists. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I This kind of leaps into another piece that I wanted to bring up is that there are some really wonderful supportive events going on with the opera, mm-hmm. including a gallery opening, As I Am, which is going to be open and free to the public uh, at the space in the Newmark where the piece will be performed. That's right. And then also at the Multnomah County Library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the uh, we are opening on Thursday at the lobby of, it's the Newmark Theater is where we're presenting. So it's mm-hmm. the lobby outside of all those combined theaters. And there'll be a little bit of music from the show, the mm-hmm. baritone and I. Lee Gregory. And then a photographer, Gia Goodrich, mm-hmm. is going to do a series of portraits and they'll also include interviews featuring transgender members of our own Portland community. Yes. It's really exciting, these mm-hmm. stories being told. Mm-hmm. Uh, people maybe that we don't even know have gone through these types of events in their lives. Yeah, yeah. So how do you begin to research a role such as this? Yeah, this has been uh, a challenge. Uh, um, you know, as a mezzo-soprano, I don't know if your audience will all know this already, and mm-hmm. I don't want to you know, bore people, but oh, no, one, of the all main, good stuff. Okay. one of the main things that I do as a mezzo-soprano is I play male characters. Mm-hmm. So I often play characters that don't align with my gender in daily life. Um, but I've never played a female 
character who's gone through this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I have played one time a character who was... Um, it was a magic story and it was a man inhabiting a woman's body. And so I got to play with kind of different aspects of how you might present your gender differently. But yeah, I've been really, um, thinking very deeply about that. It's a, it's an interesting and fun acting challenge, Mm -hmm. but also a very important issue. And I want to make sure I get it right as Mm -hmm. much as I can. And honestly, I've been wrestling with this kind of philosophical question, which, you know, you're an actress, so I want to know what you think about this too, but mm-hmm. where the limits are of your um, empathetic imagination and how far you can go with the character and what characters are appropriate for me to play. Maybe you're not going to want to put that on there. No, <laughs> I I, this is the kind of stuff it's but, really important to put up here because yeah, I come across this often. There's a big ethical question about mm-hmm. this. So in in opera, we always put the voice primary, I think. It's not that the physical doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Of course it matters. And if you look right for a character, you're more likely to be cast. But we really are completely colorblind, for instance. Like you can have an opera where people are supposed to be a family and there are seven different races on stage as a family and nobody even thinks about it. It's not even commented upon. Right, and and everyone speaks different languages. First day of rehearsal, you you show up. Carmen's in French and it's supposed to be set in Spain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's... Um, and so in that sense, opera is kind of forward thinking, but then also is a, an older art form. And sometimes we get into situations and stories where we're like, oh, this, this is outdated and we wouldn't present this this way now. And we know more about these cultures and now we wouldn't want to do these things. So I love that we're doing a new opera and mm-hmm. that we're doing one that is forward thinking um, and has this goal of... Um, making people see the universality of human experience. And mm-hmm. I think it's just presenting the character as a character, as a human being, going through an experience that's very relatable, of trying to find yourself and to feel that your outside doesn't match with your inside is a thing that I think all of us feel mm. sometimes, and especially just the awkwardness of puberty and finding your sexual identity and being comfortable in your body are things that people, everybody relates to, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. So my angle into the character has been that. It's been my own experiences that way. And I, I think maybe it's fair to say that women often experience that more than men, mm. that we think a lot about our appearance and that we wish that our outside aligned with how we feel we are on the inside and that mm. people could see us without this screen of our external experience. Uh, um, the way that we present ourselves and that you could just get right to the heart of who we are, right? Mm. So I've been trying to focus on that. Um, And the director and I have had some conversations about how I should move and should I... It's not always very clear in the opera if I am in that time period. So if we're describing something in the past, am I presenting it as as if it's now? Mm -hmm. Or am I sitting there and speaking about it as a memory? Should I play the way that I was when I was a little boy mm-hmm. or should I play the way that I move and, and act now as a, as a woman who's mm-hmm. transitioned, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we're, those are all fun challenges, but important and difficult things. Yeah. To think as about. artists, it's a kind of exciting. I know earlier you said you want to get the role right. And that yeah. word is so interesting because <laughs> we just don't really know with many of these new characters and stories that we're beginning to tell Mm-hmm. what right is yeah because yeah. life is much more fluid than that yeah and art doesn't always deal with right and wrong it just deals with does that ring true and 
Does it move people? Does it speak to people? Does it provoke thought? And hopefully conversation and and compassion. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that we as artists are at the front of that in showing or shining a light. Look at something, agree about something, disagree about something, add to it, remove, you know, just start a conversation. Just be engaged in Mm -hmm. the real time. Yeah, yeah. Because I would imagine with a role like this, there will be people who will think, no, this should be played by a transgender person. Yeah. I think there are going to be a a huge spectrum of reactions. There are going to be some people that are more conservative and have a problem with the story Mm -hmm. being an opera. Mm -hmm. Then there are going to be some people that are surprised and and maybe moved and challenged by it. And Mm -hmm. then there are going to be some people that are on the other end of the spectrum that are going to say, no, this shouldn't be played by cisgendered actors. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to to note that the librettist mm-hmm. um, intended this to be played by cisgendered singers only because of the vocal concerns of the transition and what that does to your voice. Oh, that's fascinating. So um, Kimberly is involved with opera, knows a lot about opera. And mm-hmm. there are some transgender singers, I should say that. It's mm-hmm. not that there aren't any. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you go through the transition, if, if there are hormones involved and you go male to female, you can't raise the human speaking voice. Mm. You can lower it. Mm-hmm. You can take testosterone and lower your human speaking voice, but you can't raise it once the larynx has grown to a certain size. You can't shrink it. Mm. So um, for the character to end up female and to sing as a mezzo-soprano, that character at least would have to be assigned female at birth, I think. Oh, that's so fascinating. I know. Yeah, huh. I, as far as I know, there are the transgender singers that are out there mm-hmm. have gone female to male and ended up baritone. Or there's a really famous one, um, Lucia Lucas, mm-hmm. who transitioned but didn't take hormones. And so she's transitioned to female, but she still sings as a baritone mm. with her you know, voice before her transition. And it's fantastic sound. Oh. But yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Lots of different ways to handle it, but it is a tricky thing. Yeah. It affects your voice for sure. So uh, I'm assuming you probably will have some talkbacks and such during the run of the show. And because you're at the Newmark, which is such a fantastic location for that more intimate experience, Mm -hmm. you'll really be engaged. Yeah. I think the talkbacks are going to be done by a group called Trans Affirming Spaces, and uh, they were kind enough to come in and speak with us bef- um, early in our staging process. And that was a really wonderful experience for me. And I usually do the pre-show lectures, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing this one for two reasons. One, I'm in the show, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> although that hasn't stopped me before sometimes. Um, but we also thought it would be more appropriate to have the lecturer be a trans musicologist. So mm. that will be the situation there. So it's interesting, I feel as an artist... We're getting a lot of stories on stage now, and we are addressing the inequity in the mm-hmm. work that we're mm-hmm. making. Mm-hmm. And now I'm wondering about audience and about administrative and other ways right. in which our arts organizations are going to open the doors to the people who haven't had an opportunity as of yet to participate in that way. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, are you thinking about those ways that you'll be making connections that it might draw a new audience Mm -hmm. in yeah i I hope that's true i Mm -hmm. hope that's true i one of the things that i love about working with portland opera is they do a really um, varied mix of repertoire Mm -hmm. and there are some kind of old standard pieces standard repertoire but there's almost every season there's something new Mm. Um, and i do think that you know when i'm in those shows i look out and see the audience it's a different crowd it's a 
younger, hipper crowd. And mm-hmm. um, I'm also a teacher. I'm a college professor. And I find that modern pieces, not surprisingly, speak to my students a lot better mm. than these older works. That they recognize that that's of their time and the libretto is dealing with situations that speak to them. And mm, That's fascinating. Yeah. So you love working on new work. I do. And you do a lot of it. I do a lot of it. I tend to do Baroque and written yesterday (laughs) and not much in between. That's that's fine. Yeah. And how are you engaging with the people that you're working with? Well, it's such a small group. Mm -hmm. You know, usually opera is a huge cast and sometimes it's double cast and um, we only have the two singers and then our conductor and director and stage designer are all the same person. Oh, that's great. So we've been making jokes about that. You say ask the conductor if we can have a break and speak to the director and he laughs. Um, yeah, it's been a, a very, very small working environment. And so when you're generating new work uh-huh. and you're meeting a librettist and a composer and, and you're the first person to play a role, yeah, do you love that idea oh, of I do. putting your stamp on it? Oh, it's so fun. You know, I haven't met the composer or the librettist for this yet. Where mm-hmm. Apparently they'll be at the opening. Um, But uh, a couple years ago, I did a work where I I got to play this ghostly monk character. And um, the librettist just, or the composer rather, just asked me how low I could sing Mm -hmm. and what was the best way to get there. And then she wrote these awesome swooping lines that went down to low C's and it was so fun. And, you know, that's how opera was created. Most Mm -hmm. of, you know, take for instance, operas of Mozart. Mm -hmm. Um, He wrote them for specific singers and he changed, sometimes we have several versions of arias because he changed them to suit specific voices. Mm. It's a little... Um, less friendly now that we revive these works and we go, no, well, whatever your personal voice is, you have to do the aria that was written for singer X. Interesting. So, yeah. It's kind of an operatic oral tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So how do you integrate music uh, and acting? How do you integrate uh. the, the <laughs> notes on the page? I always find as a singer actor... I'm curious about, well, why does this word hang up here? And what does this bring? And, right. And how, how do you go about it? Yeah. Well, um, I think you have to be, you have to have a lot of different acting techniques in your repertoire if you really want to be a good actress in opera, mm-hmm. because different operas ask different things of you. And some operas in some time periods, the text delivery in terms of the speed and the syllabic stress will be very natural. Right. And in others, it's really drawn out. And at least in my personal, you know, humble opinion, mm-hmm. you can't really do method acting if the delivery of the text is slowed down so much, like to a, a third of natural speed, and then you repeat the text over and over. You have to be finding other ways to be interesting physically, mm-hmm. and your thought process has to slow down too. This one moves at a completely normal speed, mm-hmm. and it's also a small theater. The audience is close enough to see faces. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing more what I would do if I were in a stage play. I'm doing more naturalistic acting and mm-hmm. more method acting and relying on my face and colors of my voice. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a 3,000 seat house and you're going to say, I love you 25 times at (laughs) half speed, then, you know, it's not that it's bad acting. It's just a different kind of acting. It has to go with the 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 aesthetic of the piece as a whole. Yeah, you ha- I guess you have so, to really find a reason to do it. Yeah, I mean... You know, why do I say it 25 times? There are at least hmm. maybe four different acting styles, I think, that, that we use often in opera. Mm. And you have to work with the time period and what people expected in the time. Interesting. Mm. 
Now, you're also a, a devoted mom. Yeah, and, I love my kiddos. Oh, my no. gracious, yes. <laughs> and I, myself as a mom of two daughters also, how do you expose your girls to the work. I believe I saw you at Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We went to Hansel and Gretel. From love afar. That. And yeah. that was a fantastic piece. Yeah. That was actually my youngest daughter's first opera, first mm. live opera. Oh, Because exciting. it had puppets. So I thought, you know, she's just four. So I thought she would be more engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, they've both come to rehearsals, mm-hmm. <laughs> poor things. They're very well behaved if I have to bring them along every once in a while. Um, my youngest came to a show first time when she was two, but she, or my eldest daughter rather, mm-hmm. but she was very precocious and she liked that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I waited a lot longer to start to bring my youngest daughter to things. And she also was, um, partially deaf mm-hmm. until early last year. Mm-hmm. So she didn't pick up on sounds and um actually one of the ways that I knew that she couldn't hear was that she didn't complain about my singing because my eldest she's very loud for little kids ears my daughters they no no sing mommy yeah no yeah. sing mommy. I, before I was a mom really I kind of guessed oh, you gonna, after a while you're right you know they're everybody's a critic but <laughs> I was so excited about the idea of having kids and I was going to sing lullabies to them and as mm-hmm. soon as Genevieve was old enough she said mommy too loud no singing stop singing <laughs> I think this is common yeah but they do love music now and they they sing and play on their instruments all day and dance. And And you're an incredible artist. Oh, thank you. You're a professor. Yeah. You're a mom. Yeah. How do you take time for yourself? How Uh, do you keep it together? (laughs) (laughs) There's no time for, I'm also trying to finish my dissertation while I write the, uh, while I do this show. It has to be turned in on April 1. So it's been crazy, crazy, crazy few years. So I'm very busy, but I love everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So um, I will sleep someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's really an interesting time where I feel um, very moved to keep reminding people who aren't artists that the work that you do, that artists mm-hmm. do, is valuable to yeah, our culture so. yeah. and important. Yeah, and I think the the work I do as a teacher is really valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's at least for me, it's not about whether or not my students go on to be professional. Um, artists themselves, but it's about opening up that pathway for people that they experience the joy of of dedicating themselves to a craft and seeing improvement, and that they also have an avenue for self expression, mm-hmm. and that they appreciate and enjoy more about art when they are the audience. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing when I do the pre show lectures. I love sharing that with people. It just gives me a lot of joy. Well, you continue to encourage people to be together yeah. in various ways, and yeah. I feel as though especially today with the mm. with phones and computers and so on where we're really drawn toward those technological ways of being together but that human contact yeah. is getting farther away and yeah. to add some air to communication by seeing art yeah attending something going to a lecture listening mm-hmm. these are the things that i think are so important to be in a focused headspace and just you know sit in a dark theater and completely focus on something. I don't know if most people do this, but I've gotten to a place now where I don't even watch Netflix without distraction. I'm like also on my phone, you know, (laughs) it's bad. I think we need to exercise our concentration and the arts always make you flex your empathy muscle, Mm -hmm. you know, either by giving you a character that you might not immediately identify with. And over the course of an evening, 
teaching you how to get inside that character. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, sometimes uh, I see characters on stage that are a lot like me and and make me reevaluate myself. So mm. if the character is similar to you or, or if they're very different, mm. both situations cause you to evaluate yourself and and think about the world around you and and hopefully feel really deeply. It's one of my favorite things about opera is the mm. power of the human voice to just mm. make people have an emo- an immediate visceral response just to the sound of the voice. Really and can help the theater. Oh, and it's so fascinating too because sound actually permeates our body. Yeah, you feel the vibration. I I heard Deborah Voigt in Boston, uh-huh. um, in Symphony Hall, and it has these wooden seats. Oh know? my gracious! And she's I, a great Wagnerian. Oh my God, she's an singer. incredible Just huge so for people voice. who don't yeah. know. Amazing voice. Mm-hmm. And it was Flying Dutchman, which is a marathon. It's such a long piece. And it has this incredible high note right at the end. And she got to the last note and my wooden seat was vibrating <gasps> in the last seat. In oh. this, I don't know what it seats, probably over well over a thousand people. Mm. And the power of her voice was like shaking the hall. It was crazy. I just burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> I'm so, so fascinated I'm not by that. that. Loud, but. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting because I, my daughter's a an athlete, a runner, and uh-huh. we talk often about the type of training that it takes to be, uh, a, you know, a very big athlete and an opera singer. What, how right. those things cross over? I, I really would love to one day do a podcast about an athletic pursuit and a an operatic or yeah. another type of singing to talk about what it is, how you make the body do what it does. I, I talk a lot about things that people might think of as athletic things like muscle antagonism and mm-hmm. isometrics and um, explaining the your anatomy to my singers and the physics of sound has to do with breath pressure and speed and all this. There's a lot of math and science and and athleticism in creating a vocal sound. So I think people yeah. often think opera singers are just loud. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we try to be loud, but really what we are aiming for is a certain overtone series that you learn to hear that mm-hmm. cuts. So we're trying to project more mm-hmm. than to be loud. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific training. It has to do with how you um, place your what, what you do with the muscles of your torso as much as what you do in your neck. So it's, it's interesting. It's fun. Pretty cool. And you have to take good care of yourself physically oh, or yes. you can't do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a couple of fun questions for you. Yeah. Describe the perfect ending to a stressful day. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't get a lot of privacy anymore <laughs> as a single mom. So I would say the ability to go somewhere and shut a door and put my feet up and oh. just have a glass of wine or, or watch a movie and know that I'm not going to be interrupted. Pass Mom, I have to time. go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, what makes you laugh? You're laughing now. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously stress uh, may make you laugh too. I, did, I, I feel energized by my crazy life, but mm-hmm. my kids make me laugh all the time, mm-hmm. which is just wonderful. Sometimes they do it on purpose. Like, mm. My daughter, my eldest, always makes up knock-knock jokes, which hmm. make me so happy. Uh-huh. And my youngest is just a total goof. Like, she does pratfalls and makes faces, and they're sweet kids. Mm. They're always trying to... And I, we have a lot of fun in rehearsal. I always mm. have a lot of fun in rehearsal. Yeah. It's great to meet new people and interact and, and to have that intense but short creative process where you're getting to know each other and also the piece and 
Finding all the courage you have oh, well, personally I, I and just laying it all out there, you know. Yeah, I've always, it's exciting. You know, I started as a pianist and I used to always be terrified as a pianist and I've never been scared as a singer. Oh, it's so nice. I don't know why. I just always feel like it's such a gift to be able to connect with people. Mm. And I always have the feeling that audiences are more forgiving than we think, mm. that, that what they want is to be moved and mm. that they are grateful for vulnerability and mm. for courage from the person on stage and that they usually catch you if you leap out there, mm. you know, that they, they want to see you go far. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that audiences don't forgive is people not really giving it their all. Yeah, You can, you can see when somebody's on stage and they're emotionally constipated and they're, <laughs> they're not really giving of themselves. They're, they're inhibited. Mm-hmm. Then the audience feels uncomfortable for you. Right. But if you really let it all out, they often are kinder than you might expect. Hmm. Yeah. And what's inspired you this week? Ah, uh, what's inspired me this week? You mean in terms of the opera? or just Anything under the sun. In general. Um, I have seen a lot of instances this week of people being especially kind. Mm. And this story that we're playing has a lot of, instances of people being extremely unkind Mm. you know and it's been good for me to remember that um that people can be on the receiving end of unkindness and then turn that around and radiate something else out into the world so it's just been a lot of my dad is here to help me right now which is lovely um and he that's just been so marvelous like little things like waking up and the coffee's already made oh it's just blowing my mind and then um, my eldest daughter's really, really kind to her little sister, and little sister's had a rough week, and to come home and find that eldest girl is reading to littlest girl or snuggling her and things like that, and like the family kind of pulling together to get this piece of art off the ground. That's what it takes yeah, as a yeah. mom and, and being an artist. And There's got to be somebody supporting the person who is right. trying to do this work, and I'm grateful for the people that are taking up that slack right now. Well, we're my grateful that you family. have them because you're an incredible <laughs> artist in our community. You give us Thanks. so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Well, back at you. <laughs> now, As One is going to start performances on March 22nd. That's right. And you can learn all about these ancillary events and the show itself. Learn more about right. Hannah at portlandopera.org. So don't miss it. It's going to be beautiful and fascinating. Join okay. the fun. And thanks Thank for you. taking the time to thanks talk to me. Thanks for having us here. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah. The events at the Multnomah County Library are singular events. Check their website for times. Adventures in Artslandia is brought to you this week by DOC. Italian-inspired, raw wine-focused, Northwest-grown, theatrically prepared. Visit our sister restaurants, Nona and Yakuza. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.